that their play on the field put them toward the back of the line. Kaiser doesn't see him. Ball is out. There always seems to be one team further behind. All right, gang, welcome to the Brown Notes podcast, where we let them rip on the Cleveland Browns. My name is Scott. This is Rico. We've got our post-draft aftermath right now. Post-draft aftermath. We're going to talk all things post-draft. Browns, we're going to talk who picked the first quarterback off the board, um, this is going to be our super non-expert expert analysis of the post-draft aftermath. How you feel about that? I feel good about it, man. I tried to do some like 24-hour draft homework so that I could be prepared tonight. So I've really <laughs> been boning up on the Cleveland Browns draft. Not so much the rest of the draft, but you know, I had to take a look and see what they did. Yep, and I feel like... Yeah, what and what I forgot to mention is we're going to look at the draft and also I'm going to catch you up on what actually happened. So. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um of course this is going to be a Browns centric non-expert analysis of the post draft and aftermath. So, why don't we just go there? I'm going to go to my trusty guys Walter Football here. Um uh I also have PFF post uh draft grades up too um pff by the way gave the browns an a minus uh walter football gave the browns an a i know they're the the kind of the draft grade there's a lot of other places though they've kind of been all over the place there's been some d's some c's some b's it's weird but uh all in all i think most of the People who are interested in Cleveland Browns draft, local people more specifically, all were fairly pleased with uh, Andrew Barry's picks. So um, should we talk about some of them? I mean, I haven't seen in my 24-hour cram session for the podcast, (laughs) I haven't seen any lousy grades for the Browns. I've got multiple tabs, Rico. I repeat multiple tabs open on my browser in front of me, (laughs) which is the sign of someone who's prepared. Am I wrong? You are not wrong, sir. NFL.com. Do you know what they gave the Browns? What did they give the Browns? B. You've already said pro football focus. Yep. A minus. Yep. Sporting news. You know what the sporting news gave the Cleveland Browns? What did they give them? B. Nice. What about Pete Prisco, CBS? Ooh, CBS. Mm, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess and say a B minus. B plus. Oh, and he ooh. even says, I love third round pick Siaki. How do you say his last name, Rico? Siaki Ika. 
Siaki Ika from Baylor. He's a big, powerful man who will help their run defense in a big way. What about Bleacher Report? Care to venture a guess on what Bleacher Report gave the Cleveland Brownies? I'm going to say Bleacher Report is traditionally not too bad on the Browns. I'm going to say A-. minus. Close, B+. Ooh, okay. And I'll round out my excellent research of multiple tabs being open at the same time. Nice. Would you care to guess what Fox Sports gave Ooh, the Fox Browns? Sports. Hmm. Let's go just a straight up B. B plus. Oh. Oh. So let me ask you a question. Did I choose yeah. somewhat reputable sources to do my Cleveland Browns cramming day before podcast work? I think those would be considered very reputable sources absolutely and if you combine them with you know you already had you already had pff up i had walter football which is another i would say reputable football source so could we say that most of the reputable outlets all have given the browns favorable draft grades can we say that i mean Listen, I haven't seen what brownnotespodcast.com has put up for a draft grade. I guess we're going to find out momentarily. But otherwise, it feels like all the voices that matter have been very kind and even favorable, dare I say, to our Cleveland Browns. It's funny that a lot of people um, that I've seen, oh, maybe a lot is maybe exaggerating a tad, but I've seen plenty where people like that that pick from that kid from Baylor Siaki Ika, which is funny because when they first picked him, a lot of the crazy Browns fans like me and you were like, Oh, that's a Danny Shelton clone. Just another fat, slow guy, bad pick. But then as soon as some of the, you know, well, we can't say blue check marks anymore, but as soon as some of the more reputable people started commenting on how good of a pick they thought it was, suddenly everybody thinks it's a good pick. I don't have a problem with it. Jim Schwartz was really happy about that pick, actually. So that guy is a gigantic person, and they need somebody to help stop the run, and I think he's going to, I mean, what I think doesn't really matter, but that dude seems to be a guy that's going to really help stop the run and free up the linebackers to do their jobs, right? I mean, Rico, here's, can I give you my, like, listen, the world is waiting with bated breath to hear what a guy who didn't watch the draft thinks of the draft. So I think can we've I, milked I think we've milked this out long enough. Why don't we just cut to the chase? Can I can I just give you my quick like Cliff's notes kind of thoughts here? So you wanna do you wanna start with the first pick and then just work your way down? And this is Scott's superb post draft analysis, right? No, I'm I'm woefully unprepared to go okay. pick by pick. I can speak generally and in right. broad strokes, though. Is that okay? Well, I love broad strokes. Thank you. Was that a double entendre? Possibly. A euphemism? Is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> anyway, Rico, you know how we said after free agency, we said of it, I think on this very podcast, we said very pragmatic, very sensible approach to free agency. They did things that the fans actually saw needed done in free agency. Remember? 
we saw they needed size. We saw they needed help on the line. We saw they needed help at wide receiver. They just, in a very rational and pragmatic way, did exactly what those of us who watched the Browns last year thought that they needed to do, which is surprising for us Browns fans because we're used to being led by the Ray Farmers of the world who stubbornly refuse to give us a wide receiver when we can see that we need one, right? This is Correct. more of that. We need size. They went out and boy, did they get some size in this draft, right? Big Holy wide receiver, big defensive tackle, big old guy in the offensive line. I mean, they've, they went out and the Browns have gotten bigger. You know, they've gotten more athletic at quarterback, right? We saw the plays that Stefanski was forced to call with the likes of Jacoby Brissett and Baker Mayfield under center. Look at the athleticism in the QB room now with, with DTR, with, uh, with the cat from Tennessee, whose name is escaping me. Who's like the rocket scientist. Help me out, Rico. Uh, Dobbs. Dobbs. And of course, with Deshaun Watson, look at the athleticism in the QB room. Have we ever had that in Cleveland before? My wow. goodness. Uh, maybe, maybe when Manziel was here, but you know, beyond that, I can't think. <laughs> with all joking, three. Joking, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Rico, what I'm trying to say is again, the pattern continues of just a very pragmatic and well kind of reasoned and sensible approach almost kind of conservative in a sense they just went out but as a fan i love to see it because it's like we knew not only that we knew they needed a new defensive coordinator we knew they needed a new coach on special teams they went out and did that too they've done everything that the fans saw that they needed to do they've done it well and what the, what they've done is to kind of keep going with that they've they've opened their mind They've they've analyzed, they've identified areas of need, and they've just simply gone out and filled those needs. It's really very simple. It's exactly what you said. They were light on the offensive line. So what did they do? They got a bunch of really good def or defensive line. They gone out. Well, they went out and got a bunch of really good defensive linemen. They just simply identified the needs they're open-minded they weren't stubborn and they hear what the fans say they do whether they admit it or not everybody was clamoring for the same thing and you know what they they heard it they analyzed it they agreed and they just went out and took care of business very to use your words very pragmatic very workmanlike keep the nose down do your job and it's exactly what they did i I'm superbly thrilled with the way they conducted this entire offseason so far. They have just went about nothing fancy, nothing super out of the box, but you don't have to go out of the box. Didn't need to go out of the box, but they've checked a lot of they've checked just about every box that that they needed to check this offseason. Very happy about that. Rico, they're a better football team. They just are. Look at the wide receiver room. Look at how it's been remade. Holy crap, is it different than it was last year? It's loaded. Yeah. It's loaded with dudes. Um, They even did something. Remember for years, it was like when, when we were mired in the, you know, all the previous regimes here, all the previous general managers, we were like, 
when we just see Pittsburgh constantly drafting Ohio State players and we'd be like, why don't the Browns draft guys from Ohio State? You know, they just go elsewhere in the league and blow up and become great players and go to Pro Bowls. Mm -hmm. Finally, we're taking Ohio State players now. You know, I mean, going back to, you know, it's Rico. They seem to get it. And I hate to say it. I mean, listen, depressed crippled psyche Browns fan at the end of last year didn't even watch game 17 because my my psyche was so fragile and broken <laughs> but here we go again now x number of months later an offseason complete and I see a Browns team that looks pretty stacked pretty exciting pretty positive I see some changes at coaching I'm excited Rico kill me I'm excited Wow, I'm uh, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Um, no, and I think what's what what's very very no, I I'm completely in agreement with you. the The way they've the, the way they've handled this off season is just, I mean, just when you just when you're ready to hop off the train after last season, maybe you've got one foot off the train. You're like, man, I am so fucking tired of being so pissy every, I'm so tired of losing my Sundays, man. I'm so tired of just when you're ready to possibly think about hopping off the train, they have a really great off season and they fucking reel you back in. And which exactly what they've done to me. I completely agree with you. I love the way they've done this. And I'm super excited to see where this goes. And the funny thing about it is I was thinking about this during the draft when I was looking at Twitter and seeing people's reactions to these third, fourth, fifth round picks. And um, a lot, by the way, um, I heard on the radio uh, that if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I thought that I heard Ken Carmen maybe on 92.3. Somebody in the morning show said that on Kuiper's top 100 board, the Browns, five, five of the Browns picks were in Kuiper's top 100. So, and only two of their picks were in the top 100, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which means they drafted really well. They drafted super well. And a lot of these guys are projected starters down the road, which is even more impressive key there is down the road and i think what going back to what i said before looking at the boards or looking at twitter when when the uh, the draft was taking place and sim- seeing some of these people uh, browns fans initial reactions um i thought to myself you know we are so people like shoot from the hip initial conditioned responses oh siaki Ika, that's danny shelton what a shitty pick because he's not a superstar right the problem is is we are so used to having to draft superstars in the third and fourth and fifth round we're ha- that because we had to we've so in the past we've had the draft guys in the third fourth and fifth rounds that had to be productive starters that if we draft a guy like Ika or Cedric Tillman or Dewan Jones or any of these guys that are projected starters maybe down the road we're so conditioned to needing that guy to, to be productive today, right now, that if if he's not projected to be a starter right now today, we're conditioned to think that it's a shitty pick. And we have to get that out of our brains now because that's not where we are. We have starters. Our starting roster 
is pretty damn good actually right now. And so these guys that they picked are exactly the guys that they needed to pick. They picked depth and they picked up projected per 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 um perspective or future starters down the road, not guys that are gonna make an impact this year. And if they do, bonus. But we've got to get that out of our heads that these guys have to contribute today because they don't have to because of the way that Andrew Barry has built the roster last year and this year and the year before. They don't need that they don't need to contribute. And so it's funny seeing Twitter kind of have that shoot from the hip meltdown when it's not necessary anymore. Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, this is the draft is meant to, you know, now hey, if you got a first round pick, that individual's expected to come in and play, right? And maybe even the second and third too, but when you when you're but when your roster is pretty much set, these guys are going to have a difficult time cracking the starting lineup and that's perfectly fine. Some of these guys, like the offensive linemen they took, they're doing that with an eye to the future anyway, Rico. They know that Wyatt Teller's got a big fat contract. They know they've got money in Conklin. They know they can't do this forever. So some of these guys are drafted with an eye toward the future. They'll set them on the, you know, they're going to learn from, you know, the best offensive line coach in the league. And, uh, you know, this is, this is as much about depth as it is you know, moving forward, how the Browns are going to move some money around and not hopefully lose a step, hopefully still be able to, you know, compete in the division. So, you know, it's funny, Rico, because I'm about as cynical as they come in life and especially with the Cleveland Browns. But even I, someone who doesn't even understand what that salty discharge is that rolls out of the side of one's eyeball and down a cheek, even I... Every year, like to watch those little vignettes they put up on YouTube where Andrew Barry calls the draft picks. You ever watch those? Yes, they're awesome. There's something kind of innocent about it that even I like because, listen, you're seeing these kids who dream of being in the NFL. You literally get to kind of watch their dreams come true, right? And so I always enjoy watching that. These draft picks didn't disappoint. I I think Siaki was probably the one that was the most emotional, wore sunglasses to hide his emotion even. Um, And no matter what one says about Andrew Barry, whether or not they, how they feel about him as a GM, he's a cool guy. And he comes off as very cool in talking to these guys. And so does Kevin, quite honestly. So your front office seems kind of like, like these guys conduct themselves with a little bit of swagger, you know, and it's just funny, uh, not funny, but I, I always enjoy watching those moments. And it's one of the only, in my opinion, because sports to me can be nauseating with how kind of uh, over the top it is, but it is one of the only, like, I think sincere kind of moments that you see in sports, you know, that's, that's kind of captured and goes and for viral purposes, if you will. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny to see Haslam sitting in the uh, war room, um, completely seemingly uninvolved. He's just like wallpaper. And in the, in that's the- great. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, he, sure. If it's his team, if he wants to be there, that's his prerogative, but him just observing in the corner is, is perfect. That's exactly what he should be doing. Just absolutely perfect. I love that. The uh, love quarterback it. they drafted Dorian Thompson Robinson, mm-hmm. DTR. 
Mm-hmm. He was funny because that guy's got a little bit of swagger to him because yeah. he was like in the video, he was calling Coach Stefanski baby. He's like, hey, baby, what's going on? <laughs> uh, really? All the other guys were like, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he's easy. like, <laughs> easy. Let's 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 tap the brakes a tad on that one. I mean, I get it. You're excited. You're listen, man. He went to he played. He was a. If I'm not mistaken, this guy was a fifth year season senior at UCLA. Um, 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 what's his face? Uh, Chip Kelly, who coaches UCLA. Chip Kelly, if I get the story right, Chip Kelly told him after his sophomore or junior year that he needs to just go ahead and go to the pros. And and he decided that he wanted to come back, that he wasn't ready. So he came back and um, potentially hurt his draft spot in order to come back to be to become a more emotionally prepared person to enter the draft which i thought that was a pretty cool story that's pretty sure. cool yeah and so it's funny because like like a guy like like uh the guy um in the fourth round from missouri the edge uh isaiah mcguire yes. they're really excited about him and in any other year but this year that guy would have had to have been a person that needed to come in and make an impact today. Yes. But he just doesn't have to now. He can come in and maybe get in here and there and just learn his way and develop properly because they've got guys now. I mean, sure, they've got a lot of new guys on defensive line, but this guy is not no longer required to come in and be an impact guy right now. He just right. isn't. Same thing with Dewan Jones. Holy crap! Do you see the stats on that guy? The ta- the tackle from Ohio State. Yeah, he's six, a beast. Eight, six eight, three hundred and seventy five pounds. Holy yes. Christ! He's a right tackle, and here's the thing: did not give up a sack um in in a very i th- i thought i heard in two years or a very a very impressive amount of time he did not give up a sack so uh, again he, he, he's a yeah. um he's a basketball player too which yeah. i think is hilarious yeah. had to be shack like mm, well you know and it, i mean i would think that if you're if you're an offensive tackle who's also a basketball player, like what do you do when you're playing basketball? You're shuffling your feet playing defense, right? Yeah. And so I would think that being a basketball player would help him out being an offensive tackle from from a footwork perspective. So I think that would might give him a little bit of an advantage, maybe. Rico, listen to this for me. Humor yep. me for a minute. Listen Go to the it. wide receiver makeover. Okay. Yep. Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore. David Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman, Marquise Goodman, Jakeem Grant Sr., who we didn't get to see last year as he got hurt, Anthony Schwartz, okay? Then they've still got three other guys under there, Dalen Baldwin, Marquise Stevenson, Mike Harley, and Jalen Darden. But look at what they've done. I mean, you're talking about you got Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman. I mean – David Bell, we still don't know what he is yet. They got the Goodwin kid from uh, from Seattle. Jakeem Grant, we didn't even get to see last year from Miami. He tore his Achilles. Yep. And Michael I mean, Woods, we're not going to see this year because he's hurt. Right. But, but, I mean, they've got, like, I mean, they've got, I think they've got a pretty nice wide what's receiver. Your, what, what's, your, what's your count there on the wide receivers? Is that a dozen? Is, is that how many you got there? Hold on. I clicked off the page here for a second. That is four. 
eight. Oh, what is it? Four, yeah, it's it's a dozen. Yep, dozen. Yeah. Yep. So uh, in in that list of a dozen wide receivers, there's probably going to be a handful that are going to get released that are good wide receivers. Some of them are going to be really good wide receivers that are going to get cut anyways. And that's a good sign when you're cutting people that are that could be on any other roster, but you're cutting them anyways because you don't have room for them. That's a sign that you're going in the right direction, man. That's a very good sign. And Tillman is a big kid too. Again, they got size. You know, he's six three, two fifteen, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I I just like what they've done with because last year it felt like all they had was Amari Cooper. You know, yeah. And it, I just like what they've done with the wide receiver room in the off season. It feels like we've got something there now, right? For sure. I mean, it kind of man, Andrew Barry just seems to do in these middle rounds. Boy, does he boy does he seem to have a keen sense for the middle round picks, doesn't he? Uh, he he's I don't know. Am I wrong on that? But he seems to really him and the scouts, Stefanski, all those guys, they've come away with a lot of good picks, in my opinion, in these middle rounds. I mean, look, think about it. DPJ is a legit number two wide receiver. Got him in the sixth, sixth round, right? Sixth, right? That's a that's a sixth round pick yeah. right there, and he's the a one, legit number two. The one that hurts is Schwartz is a third round pick, and I think yeah. he's going to be off the team. So, did you see that they signed uh, Jedrick Wills? They they picked up his fifth year option. That's right. Um, yep. That that makes it makes total sense because if they didn't pick up his option, who who else are they going to put there? Right. So they 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 kind of had to pick up his fifth year option because they don't have anybody to replace him with. And this cat, Dewan Jones, he's really a right tackle. He I think he's really gonna be behind uh, Jack Conklin because let's face it, Jack Conklin gets hurt a lot. And I know he just signed that big contract, but I mean, what do you think the chances of him actually finishing that contract out? Well, let me tell you, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and yeah. on the depth chart, they've got Dewan Jones second behind Jedrick Wills at left tackle and at right okay. tackle and then at right tackle they've got James Hudson behind Conklin and then Dewan Jones behind Hudson so they've technically got the kid they drafted at left behind tackle Wills. right now backing them up backing up yeah there. so I mean I think that pretty much is going to you know what what happens with Jed Wills this year and how quickly Dewan Jones learns is going to determine if uh Jed Wills gets an extension or not they got to find could, a spot for him though don't they they can't toggle him between right and left tackle don't they they got to just kind of figure out where they're going to put him right uh i i think man if Jack Conklin can actually stay healthy, then he's locked in. You can lock him into right tackle for another two or three years, which tells me that. Well, he's got that big contract, though, Rico. That's right. That's right. So as long as he can stay healthy, he's Dewan Jones is not playing right tackle as long as Conklin can stay healthy. But left tackle, on the other hand, I think they probably drafted him to back up Jed Wills, which is how he's listed. And to kind of push Jed Wills, and if Jed Wills can't get it done, they're just going to let him go. They'll let him be a free agent, and they'll just plug Dewan Jones in there. So I think that's really why they drafted him to be 
for a safety valve for left tackle if Jed if Jed Wills can't manage to be the type of tackle that they want him to be is my guess. Well, they've got James Hudson in the mix too, but don't don't. For sure. I think what I was trying to say about Conklin though about his contract is yes, you can look at it that way to where you're saying yeah they've got him locked up for a couple more years, or you can look at it as oh they've got that money tied up in him for a couple more years and they might not want to do that right, so they could move him and come off of that money and then have a Dewan Jones ready to fill a spot, right? Some guy on a totally. rookie contract. Totally. I mean, if they wanted to move off that money, you know, they, well, I don't remember what he signed for, but I feel like just off the top of my head, don't you think it would be hard to move off of his money only because he gets hurt a lot? I mean, he got a decent contract for a guy that hasn't played a full season in, in a few years. I mean, he's like the, He's like the OBJ of right tackle. I mean, he's he's good on paper, but hasn't played a full season in a while in order to be able to live up to the hype, so to speak. And so that I think remember when they he signed that contract, everybody was kind of sort of surprised about it. Yeah. Considering yep. his health. So it came out I of feel nowhere like if, too. Yeah, I feel like if they wanted to trade him which doesn't make sense if you're going to sign him to a, if you if the guy's going to finish his career here and then you're going to trade him I don't I think tr- trying to move the money is going to be hard now because of because he can't stay healthy. So again, I mean f- from what what you're saying is is makes sense from a certain point of view. I just don't think it would be very easy to do and Dewan Jones is probably going to be Jedrick Rules' replacement. So at left defensive tackle, they've got Dalvin Tomlinson, who they went out and got in the offseason, yeah. and now they've got Siaki backing him up and Perry and Winfrey backing him up. So isn't it interesting how Perry on Winfrey, who was you know playing quite a bit last year, this is how much they've kind of added to the team. He's already slid down to third, right? And that's kind of where it's kind of where you want to be, right? Yeah, I mean, and if uh it I if Jim Schwartz is going to be playing a two defensive tackle defensive front. Then Taki is going to be starting next to Dalvin Tomlinson. Don't you think? Yeah. So it'll be, and then Winfrey will be back in one of those two guys up. So if he, if they, if he's playing a four man front, which probably talked about that already, that's probably what's going to happen. He's going to play two tackles. Ika's going to start. He's going to start next to Tomlinson. I can't wait to see those two freaking tanks playing. That's going to be awesome, dude. I can't wait. I want to see. And you know what? That guy was in the big 12. He's 355 pounds. And he had, he had um, 30, 30 pressures, which was second. And I think it was 30 pressures, quarterback pressures in the last two seasons, which was number two in the entire FBS. So mm-hmm. this guy can this guy can truck for as big as he is. There's no doubt about that. So do you think them drafting Cameron Mitchell um, settled Greg Newsom down at all since they're boys? Or did they draft him to replace him eventually? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. But I mean, they're buddies, right? So yeah, I th- I think it'll calm him down. It'll it'll he he. I think he would he would uh, love to play with his teammate, kind of like OBJ and um um fucking Juice when he was here, Landry. 
how they they really wanted to play together and i think this is kind of going to be a similar situation so yeah i think that'll kind of calm the waves a little bit that that were kind of made during the off season i think those will kind of go away now for a while you have to wonder if they were buds and like we're you know texting and talking if you know, Newsom was really that unhappy with how Cleveland was using him. If he was like sending text messages to Cameron Mitchell, bitching about it during the season, and now Cameron yeah, Mitchell I, is here. Listen, man, the reality <laughs> is they, I understand how I don't want to dwell on this too long. We're running out of time, but um, it's not like they were playing him in the slot as a slot defender to piss him off. They right. were playing him as a slot defender because they had to, right. because they felt like considering who they were playing and their current defensive makeup, that they had a better chance by playing him in the slot than they did on the outside. So they were doing what they had to do. And some right. dudes, some dudes just have trouble understanding that it's not anything personal against him. They're not trying to irritate him or make him look bad, or they're not trying to cut his contract in half. They're just trying to do what they had to do to give themselves the best chance of winning. And I'm sure they tried to explain this to him. So I just don't understand all the hubbub about it when, you know, the co the coaches are just trying to win football games for Christ's sake. So not that it's like breaking news or anything, but just looking at the depth chart at running back, they don't even have Kareem Hunt listed. So he didn't sign anywhere yet, did he? No piece, still a free agent. And Gosh, what do you think the chances are that he is not going to be with anybody? I mean, it, it could happen. I mean, he's getting no attention. Listen to the running back room and let me know if you think we we have enough. Obviously, with the, with the focus they've put on wide receiver, that kind of telegraphs the future of the offense, right? Yep. Um, but listen to the running back room. Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford, Demetric Felton Jr., John Kelly Jr., uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, listen, Nick Chubb and um, Jerome Ford are going to take the lion's share of the work. Uh, Felton is he had a great game against Denver, I think. He played against Denver that one game and he had 100 yards, I think. Am uh, I right? Or no, 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 that was Dearness Johnson. Yeah, Dearness Johnson in that yeah, Fel uh, Thursday night the, game. That's right. Felton is the slot receiver slash running back. Yeah, so, Felton and Ford haven't shown us anything yet. Right, and I I think we've seen a little bit of Kelly, and I think he showed pretty well. I have honestly, uh, excuse me, I honestly have no problem with the running back room. I think it's I think they're just fine between between um, Chubb and Jerome Ford. They're going to take 99.9% .9 of it. The other guys are going to barely see the field anyways. I think that's totally fine. You don't need, especially with the kind of offense they're going to run, it's not going to demand a lot of work out of the running back. So I think it's totally fine. Yeah, thank you. Agree totally. I think it's very old Cleveland to look at the running back room and freak out. The fact of the matter is they obviously clearly put a ton of effort into the wide receiver room for a reason because the Browns are now officially a passing team. This is no longer a team that's going to rely on Nick Chubb and handing the ball off to win football games. That's right. And, and once again, as good as we think they drafted and as good as Andrew Barry has done with the offseason with the free agent signings, only two dudes matter next year. 
the guy behind center and the guy calling the plays. And where they go, the rest of the team is going to go. And that's just the reality of it. The defense is going to be better. It's already better. The offense is better than it was last year. On paper, there's that on paper thing again. On paper, the entire roster, the special teams is better already. On paper, they are a better team than they were last year, but they still have to do it. And it, it just and it's all gonna hinge on those two guys. I hate to say it, but that's the reality of it. I uh ran across in doing my late night cramming for the podcast. <laughs> yep. I ran across a a draft grade that I completely whatever brain fart didn't bookmark it lost it tried to find it again and could not but to your point it gave the browns it was either a b or an a for the draft mm -hmm. but it said the last line of the little you know synopsis the little summary was unfortunately their quarterback that they invested so heavily in is totally washed See, it, it it all it all depends on the guy taking snaps nowadays. And so, if the, if everybody thinks he's a piece of shit, then they're then the rest of the team is not going to get any cred. And that's the way it is, unfortunately. Hey, real quick before we go, do you want to do you want to hear where the Browns are in Sports Illustrated's post draft power rankings? Yeah, lay it on me, then we'll call it a night. Cool. They are. Number 18 in the post-draft power rankings. The blurb says, my favorite pick of their truncated draft was Siaki Ika. How about that? The nose tackle from Baylor. The Browns needed more, sp more space eaters this offseason, hence uh, paying Dalvin Tomlinson a premium price tag in free agency. Ika might not play right away. I think he's going to play more than people think he is right away. But he could round into the kind of quintessential AFC North player the Bounds have been craving over the last few years. Number 18 in the post-draft power rankings. I think the pre-draft power rankings, the Browns were in the high 20s. Hmm. So they've, they've uh, ESPN had them, I think, 22 or something like that. So I think uh, everybody's looking semi-favorably. They're low because nobody knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, and that's the big question mark right now. But, hey, at least they made the teens, right? It tracks pretty much with what we looked at in the post um, free agency analysis. Had them like at eighteen or nineteen. Hey, low expectations. That's good. Under the radar. Good for me. Go Browns. Go Browns. Cleveland Browns all day, all night.